Hi there, boys and girls, and welcome to Treasures from the Bible. I'm Mrs. Matthews, and today we're going to take a look back in history at our country's first president, George Washington, and we'll be learning about blood. So grab your Bible and a friend and come on and join us. Well, hello, everyone. Come on in. Hello. hello. How are you doing, Mr. G? I'm so glad you could come over for dinner. Mrs. G almost has everything ready. Mmm, this smells delicious. Hi, everyone. You're just in time. Everything's ready. I hope you're all really hungry. That wouldn't happen to be blueberry pie, I smell, would it? <laughs> well, yes, it is. That's a pretty good nose you've got on your face, Mark. The pie is for dessert. I put it in the oven a little while ago. Why don't we all have a seat and I'll give thanks for the food. Mrs. Xi, thank you so much. It was so good. Lasagna is one of my favorites. You're very welcome, Lizzie. Why don't I help you clean up and serve dessert, Mrs. G? Why, thank you, Aline. That's very thoughtful of you. So, Lizzie, what's new with you? What have you been learning in school? Well, in my history class, I've been learning about the life of George Washington. Really? It's really interesting. Today in class, we learned about his death. It was really sad. The reason he died hmm. was because the doctors back then didn't know what to do for his illness. You see, he had an infection in his throat, but the doctors didn't know what was causing the infection. I guess they thought the disease was in the blood, and if they drained some of the blood, it would cure him. But they bled George Washington so much that it actually killed him. In fact, I have this story right here in my backpack. Would you mind reading it out loud, Mr. G? Oh, no, not at all, thanks. I've always loved learning about history, too. Let's see. Okay, right here, it says, <clears throat> on December 12th, 1799, George was riding horseback on his farm, with the weather continuously changing from snow to rain to hail, all with a brisk cold wind. Sir, you need a change of clothes, friend and servant, Colonel Lear told him as he returned for 3 p.m. dinner, as was his practice. Your clothing is wet from the elements, and you have snow melting in your hair. Washington said, Dinner's already getting cold. I'll change later. George woke up the following morning with a sore throat, but he went out to mark some trees that he wanted to cut down. He became very hoarse that evening, <clears throat> I'm becoming hoarse, and Colonel Lear suggested that he take something for his cold. No, Colonel, he answered. You know I never take anything for a cold. I'll let it go just as it came. 
he awoke Martha very early the following morning and complained that he could hardly breathe. Martha noticed that his voice was nearly gone as well. She wanted to get the servants. Don't get up, Martha, he told her. It's cold, and you'll get a death of cold. At daylight, one of the servants lit the fire. Colonel Lear arrived and found the former president unable to speak. Lear mixed a concoction of molasses, vinegar, and butter. George choked and nearly suffocated when he attempted to swallow it. He sent for Rollins, his farm overseer, who had had some practice in veterinary medicine. Washington asked Rollins to bleed him, an acceptable medical practice at the time. A pint of blood was taken from Washington. Colonel Lear applied a menthol vapor rub to his throat when the bloodletting gave the sick man no relief. Dr. Craik, Washington's doctor of many years, arrived just four hours later and took more of the former president's blood. In that era, medical men thought erroneously that the body replaced the blood within a few hours. He had George gargle with a mixture of vinegar and sage tea. When the results were unsatisfactory, Washington was bled for the third time that morning. Two additional doctors were also summoned. When they arrived three hours later, Washington's skin was blue. He was having great difficulty breathing and he emitted a shrill sound each time he attempted to inhale. Initially, both doctors diagnosed peritonsillar abscess and later changed that to Cyanchi trachealis, hope I got that right, or severe sore throat, involving the voice box. One of the doctors suggested the standard treatment of the day, substantial bleeding. Doctor, he has already been bled three times today, the younger doctor cautioned. He needs all of his strength, and further bleeding will diminish it. The two older doctors overruled him, and Washington, though having no medical training, concurred with them. The flow became very slow and thick, as one of the doctors took a full quart of Washington's blood. Calomel and tartar were also administered to the former general. Calomel is a strong laxative, while tartar is an emetic, which causes vomiting. Washington became weaker and weaker, giving instructions about his will. Throughout the afternoon, he remained in much discomfort, and finally the younger doctor suggested a revolutionary tracheotomy, which involves cutting a hole in the throat to allow air to flow into the blocked airway in order to save Washington's life. The two senior doctors thought the idea was too daring and instead applied blistering agents to his legs and feet. Washington's breathing finally eased somewhat later in the afternoon when his breathing rate diminished. The first U.S. president died soon thereafter. It was December 14, 1799. Some attribute his death to a sore throat. Actually, George Washington died from the treatments rather than from his illness. As Moliere of the 17th century wrote, nearly all men die of their remedies and not of their illnesses. We are fortunate that the last two centuries have brought many strides in medicine and the prevention of illness. Wow, that is sad. God has allowed mankind to learn so much since then. 
about the human body, diseases, and of course, cures. When did doctors learn that bleeding people didn't help cure disease? Well, doctors used to bleed patients for every ailment imaginable. They bled for pneumonia and fevers, back pain and rheumatism, headaches, even to treat bone fractures and other wounds. Yet there was never any evidence that it did any good. Bleeding was as trusted and popular in those days as aspirin is today. It wasn't until well into the 19th century that people began to question the value of bloodletting. Scientists such as Louis Pasteur, Joseph Lister, and Robert Koch showed that germs, not body fluids, were responsible for disease. Furthermore, medical scientists tracking case histories began to collect evidence that bloodletting was not effective at all. Eventually, the practice died, although it continued in some parts of rural America into the 1920s. You know, it reminds me of the verse in, uh, let's see, Leviticus chapter 17. Okay, here it is, verse 11, which reads, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. You know, this verse is pointing to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when he offered up his life in order to pay for the sins of all the elect. It's also important that we understand that it was not the physical blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that took away our sins, but rather it was the fact that Christ gave up his life so Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, is not only true spiritually, but physically as well. Yes, that's absolutely right. Lizzie, do you know how many liters of blood are in an average adult person? Um, I remember learning about this in my health class. Um, five liters, right? Very good, you're correct. The blood in our bodies is what is responsible for carrying the life-giving oxygen that we breathe and nutrients from the foods we eat, as well as many other things to all the organs and tissues in our bodies. It also removes the waste that would be harmful to us, fights off infection, and heals wounds. Without blood, the human body would stop working. It is by God's graciousness that He has allowed mankind to understand these things and many others about the human body. He has also allowed us to learn about tiny, microscopic organisms that cause such terrible, deadly diseases and discover ways to cure them, which prevents many people from dying. But you know, there is one disease that can compare to no other. It is more terrible than any other disease because it not only causes physical death, it causes spiritual death. Oh, I know what you're talking about. You mean sin, right? Yes, you're absolutely right, Lizzie. Sin is what caused mankind to be under the wrath of God and have to suffer troubles of this life and physical death, just as our blood is our lifeline and helps to fight off infection and disease. So only the Lord Jesus is our spiritual lifeline and the only one who can rescue us from our sins. Mark, would you please read Colossians 1.14? Let's see here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. There we read, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. 
It is only through the work and faith of the Lord Jesus Christ that a person can be redeemed so that each true child of God is granted total forgiveness of all their sins. Lizzie, will you take Ephesians 1, 7? All right. Ephesians 1, verse 7 reads, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. If you'll notice, Ephesians 1.7 is very similar to Colossians 1.14. However, Ephesians 1.7 gives us some additional information. Like your dad said, the Savior gave up his life by suffering for his people. Because of the work that the blessed Savior did at the cross, each believer has complete pardon from their sins. And Ephesians 1.7 says this was made possible by the riches of God's grace. You see, salvation is by the grace of God alone, without the works of man. Mark, can you look up Romans 11.6? Sure. The book of Romans, chapter 11, and verse 6, which says, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. We cannot work for our salvation. God must do 100% of the work. If we have become saved, then we can give God all the glory because He elected us, He redeemed us, and He made us alive by His Spirit, and He works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Alas, indeed, my Savior bleed, undid my sovereign die. What he devout, that sacred had for such a Dessert is finally here. We hope you enjoyed our program today. 
If you have any questions or comments, or if you'd like a free audio CD of today's program, please write to Treasures from the Bible, an outreach of Bible Ministries International, in care of Family Radio, Oakland, California, 94621 USA. Today's program is entitled, Life is in the Blood. May God richly bless you with His salvation. Thanks for listening, and be sure and tune in next week when we'll learn something new from the Bible. Bye-bye.